0: Today, I sit down with Jeremy Steinruck of Axis Construction. Jeremy has been the co-owner of Axis since 2007, and Axis Construction is a design, build, renovation, and construction company with a team of 14 located in North Texas. Jeremy is the proud recipient of the 2021 Remodelers Advantage Impact Award, and he's been very happily married for 22 years and is a proud father of three. I really enjoyed this conversation with Jeremy, and I think you will too. Let's dive in. Hey Jeremy, thanks for joining me today.
1: Hey Spencer, how
0: are you? I'm doing good. Why don't you give a, give everyone just kind of a quick rundown? Who are you? Where are you from? And what kind of what kind of business are you in?
1: <laughs> I am Jeremy Steinrock. I am one of the owners of Axis Construction in Wichita Falls, Texas, which is a town of about 100,000 people. We're mm-hmm. north west of uh, Fort Worth, about 100 miles. So somewhat rural, but we've got a substantial population here. Been in business for 15 years. Got uh, a team of about 14 on staff.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: what do you guys do? <laughs> um, design, build, renovations, mostly. We build um, a house or two a year if the, if the client's right for it. But uh, most of our stuff is, you know, we do kitchens, baths, patios, pool houses, uh, whole house renovations, additions. Whenever the client fits us is is what we do so the work the work matters less than the client we want to be a good match for the client
0: interesting yeah so what does that look like for you cuz yeah um I would imagine, is that like a personality thing or just like a gut feel or how do you figure out if somebody's going to be a good client
1: for us we would say that uh that somebody who is is committed to being in the community for at least another 7 years that's really where someone says this is more about what I want than what I get out of the return on investment. And that's that's a pretty critical number, you know, seven to 10 years. If we've got, we have a uh, an Air Force base. We love our our pilots and, and the trainers and everybody that's out there. We love having them. They're fantastic for the community. But it is really hard for a pilot that comes for four years to buy a home, invest significantly in their home, and then leave without losing money on that project. So. In that situation, we're just the the kind of work that we do is just not a great fit for them. It doesn't mean that they're we're just we're just not a good fit. And so, somebody who was a pilot in training became an instructor pilot and now has a chance to spend another a large portion of their career here. Then uh, those are better fits. So we're just looking for somebody who's who's really going to be here for a while and makes decisions like this. Home is really theirs. They get the benefit of these decisions. You know, if they're going to get energy savings or or any other kind of investment in, in better windows or in upgrades, then they need to be the benefactor of that, not, not the next owner.
0: That's super cool. I honestly, I haven't heard that before, but that makes a lot of logical sense, you know, because mm-hmm. I think for a lot of design build projects, especially larger scale, like it's not really about the return, you know, it's more about, Hey, are you going to enjoy this? Like, what do you want out of your home? So that, that makes a lot of sense. I kind of want to rewind the clock a little bit. You said you've been in business for 15 years. You're a co-owner. Did you start the business with partners or by yourself or how did it all begin?
1: So my now partner, Jeff Miller, he and I were working at another construction company and this construction company was actually more DOD oriented. And so we did a lot of commercial work for uh, the government across the state and the country. And it wasn't a great fit for us. It didn't fit our personality. The work is great. The people are great. It just wasn't. We really wanted something we could put our thumbprint on, honestly, be home a lot more, have a little more autonomy on our schedule and who we worked with. And, you know, it is it gets exhausting to have to be the low bidder every job. It's, it's yeah. exhausting. And so you just, you know, no matter how well you do, how well you perform on a project, if the next job goes to the lowest bidder, then then why do better, you know, outside of just having your own moral character and and so just that that wears on you I think and I think also for us there was a you know Jeff and I would would like to think that we have a decent personality or decent personalities and uh, enjoying being with people and so the chance to to really be in people's homes and have different conversations and manage those relationships was was exciting to us not necessarily a a flaw when we would move to uh, residential work and so we worked together for three years and uh, he came into my office one day and he said, Hey, who's your babysitter? And I said, well, I'm not, I'm not telling you, you know, because when you get a good babysitter, you don't, you don't share them. And he goes, Oh no, it's my daughter. And so that was kind of the the first time when I started paying attention to who he was, we were working together and then just realized that we had really complimentary strengths and weaknesses. They call me the inside dog and he's the outside dog and I'm the talker and he's the quiet contemplator. And uh, we're better together, I feel like. We started our business in 07, right before the crash. So
0: perfect timing. Yeah. Got some hard <laughs> knocks in there. Yeah. So inside dog, outside dog, you kind of like hit like the, the talker, the quiet one. So how does that turn into roles? Like is one of you sales and marketing, one of you is like ops, or how does that break out? Yeah.
1: In? So I would, be, I would be sales and administration. And he would be um, all operations. So he's a production manager. So um, design falls under me. And then we're, in fact, the last few years, we've really been working hard on, on what our handoff looks like so that we can just have clear expectations for our people and not put them in weird places where they don't know who to report to. So it seems like in a small business, you're always working on some aspect of your workflow or your org chart or reporting or responsibilities and just kind of adjusting and
0: always adjusting. Yeah, always. Yeah. There's yeah. always something to work on, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when you when you started, you said you started in 07, kind of and then we, you know, hit it hit a big uh, crash. And I guess what kinds of projects did you set out to do? You said you were tired of being low cost, but that you know, like I don't know, sometimes it always starts somewhere a little different. It, so
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, you know, Jeff liked building homes and we had a chance with uh kind of a developer and a handful of investors that were like yeah we we'll figure out something we can do well you know two months into our business that was that was no longer there and we had organized a couple of bathroom renovations just to kind of get us going it was he and I had a pickup truck or two cell phones cordless drills you know we were literally chucking a truck and you know just did that I remember you know, in the first few months, I remember handing him his paycheck and saying, you know, I'll I'll text you when you can cash this. Um, and, yeah. and so um, we're thankful that uh, we haven't had to do that in a while.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's really, unless you get seed money or outside money, like, is there another way? Like you just start, you get your first job and you keep building off of that, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. You just, I remember we bought a, a trailer that we still have you know for like 1300 bucks and we thought it was going to break us we just couldn't believe that so we worked really hard one weekend and did this little side job and framed this build out for a guy in his barn and uh took like 1500 bucks and added 300 bucks to it to to go buy a trailer monday morning so we could have a trailer to put our 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 stuff on you know yeah and, uh so those are those are kind of fun stories you know and it reminds you of and it. I think what it does for me is it makes me really thankful for for who we are today. We're really blessed, you know. Those days, everything that we did had to be done by one of us, and it's not that way anymore. And and we have great people that we get to work with every day. They're way better than I ever ever thought I could be a design or a project management or whatever. They're great. So I'm really thankful to think about those times and uh, and and know well. You know, I'm, I'm pretty aware of all the work that it's that it's taken to get us this far, but we're real blessed, and I'm, I'm glad to reflect on that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. I find that, you know, when you think back to those early years, there's always, like, a couple of those, like, hard lessons learned, where there, like, a couple of things that stand out where you're like, yeah, if I didn't have to repeat that again, that would have been nice. Yeah, I think,
1: you know, just... Uh, I don't know that there's any one I can think of, of a handful of situations, but I think, you know, learning to talk about money was probably the hard thing that comes really early because when you're afraid of something, you know, when you're afraid of a difficult conversation, you're afraid of bringing up money, you kind of just hope it'll go away and you don't, you don't bring it up. And, and that the thing festers. And then all of a sudden something that a homeowner may not have had any problem with, if it was timely has become something that's now two, three, four months delayed, and it's a surprise. And I really wish you'd have bought it up, but now it's kind of a problem, and it's a bigger deal. Um, you know, I think I think that that kind of thing just just being—I don't know if it's courage or what—but uh, you know, honestly, sales training really helped me have the skills to be able to handle those situations. So, you know, when you're not trained, those are those are really scary. You know, I mean, they're scary if you have training, but if you're untrained. And an experience like like I was at the time; those were hard questions, hard hard conversations, and uh, had some difficult consequences. And then I think the other thing is just uh, you know being afraid to fire a client. I think that was mm-hmm. like a huge you know lesson, and you know so like a hard failure, but then also a, a, a had a measure of success when you finally fire that first client. You're like, hey, look, this just doesn't seem like the right situation for us because you know, is there some way that we can leave in a good way and just part each other and, and be done with it? And golly, that was just so empowering to go. I don't have to, I don't have to work for everybody. If it's not a good fit, the sooner the better. So
0: yeah, hope, that's, hopefully
1: that was what you're looking for. I know I got a yeah. lot of hard lessons. I just couldn't think of them right now.
0: No, the, I mean, those are good. I mean, the money thing, I feel like that com- comes up often, you know, because, you I feel like we don't grow up with that, right? Like, you're usually not taught about money. You don't talk. A lot of times money's a taboo, like, topic. And so, yeah, yeah I think that's good advice to get get sales training. And then that helps, whether it's just in the front-end sales conversation or, to your point, you kind of reference, like, something comes up mid-project and you got to talk about how it impacts finances. And, yeah, just having that conversation. I'm curious. You, you mentioned firing clients and that um, is another, like, difficult conversation, why do you feel like you guys have chosen to take that step? Is it usually like just personality thing or or something else?
1: Yeah, I think firing is a harsh word. I think if we could do anything, prevention would be the biggest measure, you know, like have a great filter so that you don't end up at a third or a fourth meeting and exchanging money with a client that you really have no intention of going to work with. And I think one of the key points to me is is to think down the road and consider what is this going to do to our production team, to our design team? What is this client going to be like to work with? And sometimes it's not that the client is... a Clients are a terrible person. Some, sometimes they just have a poor fit. Not a fit, might yeah. Be, might be a client with plenty of budget, but also way too much time. Mm. And the process is fun. And for us, the process is you know it's it's enjoyable it can be enjoyable but honestly there's a timeliness to it that affects uh, profitability and if that's not a if that's not something that works for them because they're okay changing their mind all the time and it's fine it's just nothing ever gets done and you can't really build a schedule for the rest of your projects around this person it could just be a bad fit and so you know we either need to address it and say hey we, we have to operate a certain way or we, uh, I guess, my sales trainer told me you have to find a way to dismount gracefully. Um, <laughs> that was, you know, can you can you get off without without uh, falling on your face? And uh, and so, you know, it's not often. I'm not saying this is something we do weekly or annually, even. I just think that honestly, having that power in the back of your pocket and just knowing that I don't have to work for everybody is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Then you do get to bring up those those conversations earlier and say, hey, you know, maybe this is going to work for us, and maybe it's not. But in our situation, once we kind of move to production, our the most important thing is our guys' schedule and momentum, you know, and just kind of keeping that train rolling. And so changes are going to be a real problem. Do you think that we're in a place where we can kind of commit to doing this and just having having a uh, an agreement that that we're on the same page? So. Uh, yeah, That's the way I would like to do it. I, I'm certainly not, not perfect at getting that done all the time with the clients, but, uh, but it certainly needs to be a focus for anybody.
0: Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, book bonuses that go along with that. If you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to RemodelerMarketingBlueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, I think that's good advice. And I like what you said about prevention, you know, like anything you can do to just not get to that spot, you know, is uh, yeah. is probably the way to go. So thinking back on, you know, 15 year journey, I find that most businesses have like a couple of like inflection points or like big changes where you're like, Oh, we're kind of heading in this new direction. Maybe it's like business 1.0 to business 2.0. Like we made this, this leap or change any of those Coming to mind like over, over that 15 year span?
1: Yeah, I I, I kind of wish there were more of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can think of, of at least one. And and really they kind of just, you know, they they start to run together as as the business grows, you know, I, I remember the first, I think the first admin person I hired was was five years ago. So like nine years, nine or 10 years into the business. I hire a full-time admin person. And I was thinking, I don't know how this person's going to stay busy. And then it was like, I don't know how we ever did anything without a person like that because <laughs> she was so good. She's still with us. She's our office manager. Um, just a super key, uh, important person in our in our company. You know, that was like, oh my gosh, we have a business that will support a non-productive, you know, like a non-producing worker. We actually have overhead. So that was kind of a weird thing. And that was. Uh, that was actually coincided with the first, like I interviewed her uh, the week before I went to my first uh, Remodeler's Advantage meeting. And so that was also when my Remodeler's Advantage um, relationship started with a peer group and, and kind of just starting to, to move down that to learn my financials and to just just have a group of people that were kind of there to support me and help me with with the development and, and start checking the boxes, you know, get your financials in order, get your reporting right, and then start tweaking all the other little knobs and labors to kind of refine what we're doing. And so I, I certainly would credit Remodeler's Advantage with changing my life for the better. I owe them a debt of gratitude for sure. And, you know, it's, it's Remodeler's Advantage, but it's, it's the entire community of, of, uh, of contractors, builders, designers, that uh, that are there and just give of themselves freely and they're super candid and they're they're uh you know you think you go into a group of of builders at a you know a big conference center to be just you know a bunch of guys a bunch of blowhards is kind of what you expect to see and they're the kindest gentlest genuine humble people that I've ever been around and I'm like I want to I wanted to I want to be like these people that that's been a huge piece of of our development over the last five years. I think we went from uh, just over 1 million to close to 5 million last year. So it's been a pretty pretty large increase in everything. Profitability, productivity, everything is, has improved because of that. It hasn't been linear, but uh, everything is improving um, yeah. as a result of my uh, our investment in RA.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's super cool. It's interesting too, and uh, not trying to discredit like those couple of moves right there that you kind of like put together. But it is fascinating. Like sometimes you see a lot, like the first 10 years, like nominal growth, right? But then the next five, you like 5X, you know? And and I think there's something to the longevity of like learning and failing and figuring things out. And then you probably hit a point where you had a lot of good things going, but then you got some education, some feedback, and, and then it just was like, you know, so that's, yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, I think everyone looks at stuff like that. And it's kind of that classic, like overnight success. And I'm sure you guys have aspirations <laughs> for where you want to go. But I mean, it's true, because you kind of, you tend to look at the short time frame, the last two years, the last three years, and like, oh, look at this, you know, but when you look at the first nine, you're like, yeah, remember the trailer, we were scared to buy for 1300 bucks. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah, uh, right there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Well, what do you think you know, I feel like this question I always like to ask for maybe newer entrepreneurs or business owners, like what's one of the toughest things you think about being in that spot as kind of business owner leader?
1: Do you mean in my position now or in that spot before kind of the, the Delta?
0: More of an open-ended question just about like being the owner, kind of like everything kind of falling on on you or like, You know, sometimes for some people it's the people communication or the leadership where they're like Mm -hmm. I feel like everyone has a different answer, but there's lots of tough things about business ownership. So you
1: know, I've I've only been a partner. And so I have Jeff is he's 12 years older than me. He's obviously more mature, more experienced, and you know, he doesn't say much. I'll talk your ear off and and he's going to say five words and his five words are more impactful than anything I've said in the last week. So having a partner like that was really stabilizing. And so, but having a partner and learning how to communicate together so that we don't, because we are so different. How do we live together and not step on each other's toes? Because, you know, I'm the kind of person that would step in, in his lane without knowing it. And he's not the kind of person to tell me, you know. And so, that is that was a piece of that entrepreneurial time that those early early times it was like, oh we, we have to figure out how do we work together. And we're still learning to do that, just like you are in, in your marriage or whatever. You know, we're humans and we're changing. And but I think that was on the on the flip side of that is that I was never alone. I always had somebody to have my back. If I was, you know, if if we went on I could go on vacation and he had my back and he could go on vacation, and I could and and so you, you see people that are, that are fighting through those early years that are overwhelmed. They're working 70, 80 hours. They're at their wit's end. They need a vacation. They need the brain to stop. And they're just afraid that if they stop and take a breath, they're going to get run over. And, uh, and I feel for them because I just, I don't know that I ever had that. I had a, our youngest at two years old. This was probably, this is in 2012. So five years into our business, my two-year-old was diagnosed with leukemia. And it changed our life. And of course, he's he's great now. So thankful for the people that, um, you know, that, that took care of him and us through all of that. But the crazy thing about that experience for me that relates to our business is that I realized that I'm not quite as important as I think I am in this business. And the business can probably survive a lot longer than I think it can without me. And so I was able to take and set boundaries on work because I just had to. I had to be at doctor's appointments or take care of my other two kids or be there for my wife, or I just needed to emotionally disconnect because I was just overwhelmed. And so he was in treatment for three and a half years and not all of it was horrible. We have some great memories of that time and, and I, we're really thankful for where we're at now. Uh, but I'm also thankful for the lessons that we learned along the way that, uh, you know, this business you know even just four or five years in uh, can be strong enough and especially with people that care about you can be strong enough to to survive without every waking hour and without all of my worry that time for me helped me kind of compartmentalize some work things and gave me a skill that I, I still have today which is where I can leave work and mentally turn it off because I have to for my own health sometimes not all the time I still in this psycho about some things but but so that was one of those things where I'm really thankful for something really hard in those early years that that affected me in a good
0: way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate you sharing that. And um, it makes it, I mean, yeah, as you're describing, I can almost put myself in the going, yeah, you know, there's there's bigger things than yeah. you know the the business that you're operating and just that perspective. So no, that that's awesome. I got one kind of fun question and then a couple of future-based questions to wrap us up here. You got any wacky weird like projects or client stories you don't have to share names or anything like that but <laughs> any uh any fun ones to to throw out there? Uh no but yeah no names.
1: But we did have a couple that was in a couple years ago. We were redoing their their primary suite and they're enlarging their shower, you know, and the husband just kept saying, you know, and they're their retirement age, you know, they're just like well, we like we like to shower together, and she would roll her eyes and kind of get embarrassed. And he said it like a thousand times over the course of the project. We we're like, we get it, <laughs> we yeah. Understand Point it. made, buddy. Yeah, this shower is this is all of these surfaces going to work for you? All of these, you know, whatever you're using these things in here for, is this going to work? So yeah, so pretty it's a nice shower.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it turned out great. <laughs> yeah. uh, hopefully, yeah. they're enjoying it. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, last couple of questions, we'll wrap up. The first one is just if you could leave one piece of advice for other remodelers listening, you know, something that you've learned that you'd want to pass along.
1: I think something that I've learned, I'm learning in the last year or so through some, through some trials is just more that it's just not that, it's not about me. It, It really isn't. There's so much more going on. And so I don't have to take myself so serious, you know. And that makes me a, a much more pleasant person to be around when I'm acting like that instead of acting like, you know, a narcissist, uh, which is sometimes what you can become if you're everything's focused on the business and the business is your identity and you become a narcissist. I have been a narcissist in my business before, and that's really unhealthy. Um, so I think that just <laughs> being okay with a little bit of failure, you know, it's, it's going to be okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's great advice. All right, last question. Just kind of thinking about the future. The last couple of years have been wild. What do you think are like a couple of different big challenges that our industry is facing over the next, you know, 12 to 36 months? Like, what do we all need to be thinking about and, and working to solve?
1: I, I don't know that there's a solution for this, um, but I was talking with, you know, I've had this conversation I'm a ton. I'm on the board of a, of a counseling service, uh, nonprofit. A faith-based counseling service, and I, I, I think that the soft, the softer skills are really important. I think that uh, people's emotional and mental health is just super critical. I think it's the most overlooked thing, and I just, you look at what, what the world is doing right now with, with just our physical health, and our bodies are telling us that that's enough. That's enough stress. That's enough anxiety. That's enough bad diet. That's enough misplaced. Priorities, like our bodies are telling us that that's enough, and so I think that I I don't want people to break. I don't want people to break because we're in a hurry to get all this stuff done. Because you know the economy's good, and we got to work so hard, and we got to get these things done. And I know that you can't get everything in time, and 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 it's just so it is so hard to produce a project right now because you just cannot rely on pricing or anything to show up on time or to be the way that you expected it to be. Like we live in that broken environment every day. And if your expectations are so high that you can that you can do all that without giving yourself a break, I just think, like, what are we doing this for? Like really, what are, what are we doing this for? And I know that some people are are out there to make a ton of money. And I I'd certainly like money and I want to make a ton of it. But at the same time, I wanna be a very healthy human and I have a lot of other things in my life that are really important if there's a give and take, I just want to be aware and I want people to make a decision for themselves. Hey, I'm trading my health for, for this profit or for this opportunity or whatever. I just think that the, the mental and emotional health is something that is going, that is, is already, and is going to affect everybody's physical health. And uh, man, you don't think you have time for, for your health right now. Think about what happens when you have a heart attack. Think about what happens when you're, you know, when you have diabetes or you have other problems. You're gonna make time eventually for your mental and emotional and your physical health. Just go ahead and do it. Let's be in control of, of ourselves and our environment, our lives. So that's what I would say. That's the message that I'm trying to impart to our team is that yes, people, our clients expect us to do a great job, to do our very best. And guess what? Our very best is gonna be good enough, even if we fail. I'm sorry, we may have we may fail. We're just gonna to have to be okay with that. So it's a fine line between complacence and just acceptance, you know, we're not perfect. That's okay. We're trying, we're going to try real hard. We're going to be better tomorrow. So it's a tough place to be, but, um, I think emotionally, we just have to start bringing that, that piece of our, of our persons into our workplace more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's, um, yeah, really, really thoughtful. It made me think of this, um, I'll butcher the quote, but it's, it's something like, you know, every everything's a problem until, you know, like you're hurting, you know, you feel sick and then that's the only problem. Literally all the other problems <laughs> go away. And so I think it's really valid what you say about, you know, like taking care of that because when that's off, everything else either doesn't exist or it doesn't matter, you yeah. know, whatever. So, uh,
1: well, yeah. you know, I, I learned lessons best by experience. And so I am the client. I am the guy that had hard stuff this year and, and that uh, that had dealt with some anxiety issues and and did all that and have had to say, hey, I need to wake up. If I feel like this, you know, how much more do my my employees, my team, our trade contractors, how do they feel like this? And so it's just been on my mind a lot lately.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate you sharing it. And um, yeah, Jeremy, I really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks for sharing your story and uh, spending some time with me.
1: Yeah, well, um, thrilled that you
0: had me thanks it's an honor thanks for tuning in to remodeler stories don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book the remodeler marketing blueprint just leave a review over on itunes to enter to win see you next time